Oh, good afternoon. Uh, uh, you can be turning in your Bibles, please, to uh, Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Oh, yeah, I don't need that. Okay, great. All right, well, it's great to be with you uh, this afternoon. I um, We're used to a morning service, and uh, there's stuff going on at night, and at this little time frame... I'm usually asleep in front of a football game of some kind. So I'm going to try to stay awake. And hopefully you will. And if you're visiting, as Brian said, I'm a guest. So if you don't like it, come back next week because there'll be somebody better probably uh, speaking. But we are very glad to be here. As Brian said, we usually come out two, three times a year. But we are not often able to stay over a Sunday. And so we're very glad to be able to do that and uh, be with you. We've known a lot of you a long time. Uh, we've known Bruce and Robin since the late 70s, I guess, and when we got involved in the campus ministry uh, movement. We've known some of you uh, years ago in Colorado. Some of you look the same. Some of us definitely don't. <laughs> but it's great to be together. We love being with Brian and Dessa and their family. Uh, Brian has two sisters. We love this time in life because uh, the collective group of them have given us eight grandchildren. And they're really fun. You know Brian's three, of course, and then uh, one of his sisters lives in Long Island across the river from where we live in New Jersey, and they have two little boys. And then his younger sister lives about ten minutes from us, and they have three little children. So it's really, really, really fun. It's really fun to be with them. It's fun to spoil them. I tell people as we do parenting workshops, please do not watch what we are doing now with these children. Let us tell you what we did the first time around. Because it really is different. It, this, it's, it's, it's a never-ending joy. It's a never-ending challenge. And that as beginning about 40 years ago with Brian, I find myself every morning praying now for these eight names that they grow up to follow Jesus, to be Christians, to find people to marry like their dad, their, you know, the dad and other moms and dad did who love God and all this. It's like it never ends. I mentioned to one of our sons-in-law that I prayed that prayer every morning for all the children to grow up and uh, become Christians and find people to marry who are Christians and help them get to heaven. And he's like, no, 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 don't pray that. I think he didn't want to think about his kids growing up. I'm like, you better let me pray that. Where do you think you came from? <laughs> it was those prayers, especially him, because he was from Istanbul, Turkey, and came to the U.S. to get an MBA and met my daughter and then the Lord in that order, and that's a whole other story. But it's a great story. Okay, we're here to continue to think about Thanksgiving this week. You know, it's a great week. It's a great week of uh, family and fun and food and maybe some football and maybe some frenzied shopping. We admit we were at a mall a little while on Friday afternoon. And I appreciate getting to speak. I appreciate the things that Brian said. Brian is really a hero to me. I appreciate him and Dustin so much. Oh, yeah, you know, his music is uh, so amazing. Uh, our daughters have played his CDs to their little children as they've gone to sleep uh, their whole lives. And it's you haven't heard anything until you hear a two-year-old singing, uh, I need your love, at the top of his lungs. And if you get a word wrong, you get severely corrected. 
But Brian asked me to speak a few weeks ago in anticipation of being out here. And I said, you know, that's great. I'd love to. And kind of what I was thinking was, it's kind of a vacation time. And I would get out a sermon that I've done kind of recently, but you haven't heard. And, you know, not have to kind of prepare much. You know what I mean, Bruce? And, and then he said, he said, then he said, we have a topic. I, oh, a topic. Transforming power of gratitude. Okay, well, I gotta get new something up. And then in our New Jersey staff meeting, we and the brothers were talking about uh, Thanksgiving, and somebody said, well, we've gotta have a Thanksgiving sermon. I said, I'll do it. So this is only recycled from last Sunday. They heard this in New Jersey last Sunday. I did add a couple things at the end, especially for you. The power of transforming thankfulness. It is hard to be grateful. One of my favorite true life stories really involves Halloween, but uh, many, many years ago, I was going to the door and putting the candy in the bags. And I saw this little child at the door whom I recognized as the grandson of a lady who lived a couple of doors up the street from us. So I put candy in the bag. And then I hear from the shadows the grandmother in this real loud stage whisper, What do you say? And this little boy looked up at me and he said, More! <laughs> and the grandmother's like, No, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh yeah, thank you. We have advanced to the place in life where I'm sure all of us know that our response is supposed to be, thank you. But sometimes inside is still more, isn't it? That selfish part of us that makes it difficult sometimes to stop and be grateful. You know, that's surely why there's so much in the Bible about being grateful. Philippians 4, 6. You know, Philippians 4 is such a powerful passage because Paul's telling us how to have a great attitude about life. How to focus on the things that are pure and lovely and noble and a peace that nobody can understand. And he says, so you got to pray with what? Thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving to have this positive attitude in life. First uh, Thessalonians 5. You know those little bumper sticker pray, phrases that Paul gives out. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in how many circumstances? Oh, boy, that's a whole lesson right there, isn't it? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this uh, message, the transforming power of gratitude, I decided to talk about uh, what sometimes we almost think of as a kid's story. Some of us grew up reading about, hearing about Zacchaeus in Sunday school. I don't know if they still sing the little song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man and climbing up in a tree. But it's a very powerful story about gratitude changing a man. So I'm going to read uh, Luke 19, beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. 
When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Because this is a simple story, I have four very simple points. One, he saw Jesus. Two, Jesus saw him. Three, he was grateful. And four, he was changed. All right, number one, he saw Jesus. Luke records he wanted to see who Jesus was. Why? I don't know. Certainly, he must have heard about this man. This rabbi who came teaching amazing things and doing a lot of miracles. Certainly also Zacchaeus was probably not a devout man because he was a tax collector. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That meant basically he was a crook. But he wanted to see Jesus. And because he couldn't see over the crowd, it says he climbed up in a tree. It mentions he was a wealthy man. Get this in your mind. This is some rich guy who probably has people do things for him. I mean, th- th- he's up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus. We've been allowed to see Jesus. Somehow, some way, We heard something. Something happened. God did something that we got to see Jesus. Think about it. Some of you probably were truly spiritual. And you were trying to serve God. And, but for some reason you didn't know some things about what it really meant to serve God. What it really meant to follow Jesus. What it really meant to be a disciple. How you really got your sins forgiven. And God allowed you to find out those things. Some of us, and I say us in this one, were what I call hypocritically religious. I mean, there were some things that, you know, I was serious about in following Jesus, but there were some big, unsurrendered, blatantly sinful areas in my life that didn't seem to bother me like they should have. But somehow, I got to see Jesus. I know some of you out there were just out-and-out pagans. You had absolutely no interest whatsoever in spiritual things. But somehow you got to see Jesus. Some of you were praying. I know there were some of you, always in a group this large of people who are disciples, there are people who were praying, God, help me know you. There's something missing. There's something wrong. Some of us just kind of thought everything was okay. I mean, we were, I wasn't praying that kind of prayer. Some of you, for prayer is the last thing in the world you were thinking about. 
But somehow, we got to see Jesus. Somebody sitting next to you at work, or in your neighborhood, or somebody ran into you in the laundromat like earlier, or somebody on a, the same floor in a dorm, or so many, many ways God worked to allow us to see Jesus. You know, most people in the world haven't really seen Jesus. And most people in the world who think they've seen Jesus haven't really seen the Jesus in the Bible. How come we got to? Why me, Lord? Why you? Why did we get to know about Jesus? You know, but secondly, Jesus saw him. I imagine the most surprised person there was Zacchaeus when Jesus stopped and said, What are you doing up there? Come on down. I'm going to your house. I mean, think about this. Can you imagine, let's say there's a presidential motorcade coming down Pacific Coast Highway. And with you and thousands of other people are lined up, I don't know, to see a car go by. I know it makes no sense, but... And it gets where you are. And the car stops. And the door opens. And Mr. Obama gets out and says, Clay Jackson. Come on. Get in the car. I'd like to talk. I'd like to get your opinion on the economy and all these other things. Come on, Clay. I've known a Clay a long time, but I don't think it's going to happen, honestly. <clears throat> Jesus stopped and he was saying to Zacchaeus, I want to know you. I want to come to your house. I have time for you. I'm interested in you. Not only that, I'm going to change your life far beyond what you can ask or imagine. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to connect with you. And God set it up so that we can connect with Him. Why? Why in the crowd did Jesus see you and me? Why the cross? Why would the Creator of the world get on a cross? For you and me. Let's go back to this president's thing a minute. I've been alive during the administrations of 12 presidents. You may not even be able to name 12 presidents. <laughs> of all those presidents, I've only seen one live. That's the one that was a crook, Richard Nixon. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know. Something happened anyway. The only one to have to resign in disgrace is the one we have an 8mm super movie picture of. I was in the Army, stationed down in Homestead, Florida, and uh, he used to come down there frequently because his 
weekend getaway was in Key Biscayne and he would land at Homestead Air Force Base. And so we would know he was coming. And one day we went out there, Mary Lou and I, Brian was so small, he was riding on my shoulders. He's probably, I don't know, year and a half old. And we got our super eight millimeter movie camera. And there he is getting off the plane, waving. But you know what? Here's what did not happen. Larry Craig. <laughs> is that your boy? I heard you had one. I hadn't seen him. He's going to be a musician, I'm sure. If you looked at that movie, you could probably tell it's Nixon, but he's kind of far away. No, he didn't know us. He didn't care about us. And that has nothing to do with him as a person. That's just the way it is. It's significant, I think, that Jesus saw Zacchaeus and chose Zacchaeus. Think again. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. I know you know this, but they were sort of the, they were the scum of society. The words tax collectors generally went along with the words robbers and thieves and murderers and adulterers. They were cheats. They extorted money from the people. They weren't allowed to go in the synagogue. This is worse because he was a Jewish tax collector. This was not some Roman man who'd come in there and was taking money that didn't really belong to him. This was a man from the people. This was a man hated by his own people. You know, a little later, you notice, when, when Jesus went to his house, everybody's like, what is he doing there at that man's house? This is a man who certainly had neglected that commandment that Jesus talked about, love your neighbor as yourself. He cheated his neighbor. So why would Jesus go there? Well, he saw Jesus, but Jesus saw him. He saw what he, he could become. Hey, are we any better than Zacchaeus? Some were blatant sinners. Some were more subtle sinners. We're all sinners. We're all cheaters. We're all selfish. We were all wrapped up in our own lives. Filled with sin. Some knew it. Some of us didn't know it until we really were... Somebody put the Bible in front of us and we saw verses that had been there all along, but we'd never seen them like that before. Why me? Why did I get to be seen by Jesus? I appreciate that I was, I was born in a family of, who were members of the mainline Church of Christ. And it was, you know, it was a very messed up family, but, but why did I at least get a foundation that was very helpful and I appreciate why did I get to be exposed to this and this and this? And when I really wasn't looking until much later, why me? Why you? Why did Jesus send somebody to you? Is it because you were so awesome? Well, I wasn't that bad. Oh, you've forgotten. 
And sometimes now we can forget, honestly, how, how many bad things can go between this year and this year. That we got to need to repent of and talk about and deal with. No, Jesus sees us. He saw him. I'm going to your house. And number three, Zacchaeus was so grateful. You know, he didn't stop and say, whoa, no, you can't go to my house. I haven't vacuumed. I need to go home, straighten up a little bit, take out the garbage, get some new drapes. He's like, you are going to my house? And Jesus spent enough time there for people to know he was there and begin to talk about it. It says, Zacchaeus, verse 6, he came down at once. <laughs> he got down out of that tree and welcomed him gladly. I don't know how much Zacchaeus understood about who Jesus was. I doubt that he really understood that he was the Messiah of the world, born a virgin, that he was going to give his life for sin, be raised from the dead on the third day. He probably didn't understand all that because the people closest to Jesus didn't understand all that. But he knew he was somebody different. Somebody powerful. Somebody meaningful. And he's going to my house! And he was so grateful. Do we still feel the same gratitude we had? When like Rooney we got baptized and realized we're starting all over again. Do we still feel the same appreciation for the cross we had when we saw from the Bible our sins and we saw what Jesus had done on the cross and that we could be forgiven? It's easy to let that gratitude get choked out, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. Oh, he was grateful. He was grateful. <clears throat> I asked Brian to uh, learn a song that uh, I had a brother sing in New Jersey on last Sunday that maybe probably only three or four of us have ever heard because it was uh, written by Chris Christopherson in 1972. But it's called, Why Me, Lord? And it really, you know, it says this idea, why me? Why do I get to know what I know? So we're going to hear it in just a second. So, so far we've seen. He saw Jesus, but Jesus saw him, and he was grateful. And we say, why me, Lord? <clears throat>
saw Jesus, Jesus saw him, he was grateful, he was changed. How do we know he was grateful and thankful? Because he changed. His actions showed it. What the song says, help me know how I can make this right. You know, he said to Jesus, verse 8, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, that's kind of a funny statement. If I've cheated anybody, yeah, right. I will pay back four times the amount. You know, under the law, if you stole something from somebody and you confessed it, you paid it back plus 20%. If you were caught... He had to pay back double. So think about what he's saying. I'm going to pay back four times what I've taken. Like he went way beyond what the law required. Because he was grateful Jesus had come to his house. Thankfulness transforms us. It's no longer how much do I have to do, but how much can I do? It affects the decisions we make. It affects how we live every day. I don't know many of you very well, but I'm grateful for you. Groups of you whom I know of your disciples. What that means. We got some teens who are disciples here, I think. That's a hard time to be a Christian. I don't know about you, but most of the teens where we live in New Jersey, go to school every day being the only disciple in that school. There are a couple of them where there are more than one disciple. A few of them come from homes where their families are not Christians and don't care what they're trying to do and be. But they're saying, no, I follow Jesus. I appreciate the college students who are Christians. I don't think there are many of 
them here today. But at the same time, a difficult a time in life when you're trying to decide what you're going to do with your life and what you're going to be, and the pressures are incredible. Look, for those of us who've been out of school for, let's say, a long, long time, it's a different world. It's a different atmosphere. It's hedonistic. It's postmodern. All the words you want to use for ungodly. And I appreciate people who are standing up and saying, no, I follow Jesus. Singles. There's singles here. I appreciate the beautiful single women. Beautiful on the outside even more because it comes from within. Who are saying to the guys, let's be real in the world, who try to hit on them. On the job, other places. No! I follow Jesus. And the wrong man is not going to take me away from Jesus. And I appreciate the single men, as well as college men and, and teen men, who are determined, I'm going to stay pure in this world we live in. And I'm not going to get caught up in the values of the world. I appreciate the marriage. The marriage with kids. Sometimes when you got three kids and it seems like about 26. <laughs> and the challenge of the schedule and the mortgage and job and bills and lawn. And you got to mow your grass all year round out here. I used to live in San Diego. Oh, my goodness. And trying to say, no, we are going to be focused on Jesus as we raise our children. And as we live this crazy life we're living. I appreciate the older Christians. Empty nesters and, and beyond. We have a big group in uh, where we live in New Jersey. I call the harvesters. About 25 or 30 of them. We're over 65. Teaching in the children's ministry and doing all this crazy stuff. Because they're grateful. They're grateful. When we've seen Jesus and He's seen us and we're thankful, we're different. I want to share finally about a a young man named Rob who is currently our our part-time campus intern where I live in New Jersey, part-time because he's also a student. Exactly a year ago, His best friend growing up, named LJ, had uh, started college in Boston, became a Christian there, called Rob, wanted him to come to Boston, find out what he would learn. Rob went, was baptized uh, about a year ago next weekend, I believe. He had grown up pretty religious. His father's a minister. But he would describe himself as being hypocritically religious. They led the youth group, all these things, but like, no, I didn't know this about Jesus and what it meant to follow him. So Rob comes home to New Jersey. It's one of those kind of things. Somebody calls you and says, we're baptizing somebody who's going to be in your ministry. Take care of him. I'm like, this isn't the way I, this, I don't like this. Who is this guy? But he was somebody who was grateful. So he came home. And began bringing his younger brother to church who was in high school, Eric. And a few weeks later, Eric was baptized. And so then Rob's at school. He's the only student who's a Christian on his uh, campus. But he reaches out to a guy named Brian. Brian's a big guy with great old big earrings. He got baptized. 
And then they reach out to a guy named Vince on campus. And Vince gets baptized. And by now it's like, this Rob is a, this guy, this is a grateful kid. And we had a summer internship role. Meanwhile, Jamie, another one. Rob made a, uh, a goal that he wanted to reach the people he was close to in his old youth group. Who all had gone off to college now. We're going off to college. So he invited another one, a girl named Jamie. She started coming to church. The sisters studied with her. Late last spring, she was baptized. We had a summer internship program in the New York City church, and uh, I decided Rob needed to be one of those interns. And so he was in Manhattan for two and a half months, very intense all day, just meeting people, studying the Bible with people, being trained. He met a guy, a Columbia University student named Ken. He got baptized. Toward the end of the summer, he was involved in studying with a teenager named Jay, about to go off college. He got baptized. Meanwhile, another girl in his youth group, Eileen, was a student down at Rutgers University at our sister congregation, the Central Jersey Church. He called her up. You got to go to this church. You got to know about Jesus. There's stuff we missed. She started going. She was baptized. He comes back. At, uh, right before the ILC, saying, I'm, I'm really working on my best friend, Bobby, growing up. So, right before we all went to Miami, guess what? Bobby got baptized. And then, as soon as we got back from Miami, uh, uh, Vince, a college student, actually had been grown up in the church and went way, way, way far away. And, was kind of trying to come back, and Rob grabbed a hold of him, and it wasn't a couple of weeks before another Vince got baptized. And then a young man that they met, uh, just, you know, going out, cold contact, meeting people on campus, a young man named Seth, they studied with, and Seth got baptized. And then about three weeks ago, another young man that they met in college, Chris got baptized. And uh, another one of... Uh, Rob's best friends, Lee, another guy from his youth group. I think five out of six of them now. Who's a student in the Washington, D.C. area. He hooked him up with the campus ministry there. He's supposed to get baptized this week. That's one year, 12 people. Why? Because Rob's really grateful. Get these texts. I just appreciate you. I appreciate the brothers. I appreciate God. God is so good. Why does God let me do this? Why does God let me know this? Sometimes we lose that, don't we? I hope Rob never loses it. The power, transforming power of gratitude. Let's close with this challenge. You know, it's interesting. Zacchaeus stood up. And said, here's what I'm going to do. Sit up to the Lord, in front of the Lord, and the whole world. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, it's good to declare our faith, isn't it? And certainly a very practical, specific way we do is telling the world we're grateful and God has changed us. That's how we stand up before the Lord and say, thank you. Why me? Why did you let me see you? Why did you change my life? I'm so grateful. I want people to know it. And then those 
amazing coincidences that aren't coincidences happen, like two people being in the laundromat at the same time, so that one of them can become a Christian. The power of transforming thankfulness. We've seen Jesus. But he's seen us. And we want to be grateful and change. And if you're here today as a guest, find out what in the world it is that we're talking about. Being changed and seeing Jesus and letting him see us. Because it's real. And it transforms our lives. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> hey, <man. laughs>